Welcome to Deadly Days, Tales of Dark Fantasy. My name is Joe Bandle and I'm your host. <clears throat> Today's episode, I'm not even sure what, uh, 38, episode 38. And we are going to, it is going to be from the Orchidean Garden, which is the world's first illustrated fantasy magazine came out of Germany uh, in 1919. I have translated uh, this issue and this story. I translate a lot of these stories that I'm sharing. Uh, Today's story is The Brain by Max Meixner. But before we do the story, I just do my regular spiel. If you like these stories, you're interested in these stories or novels and you want hard copies, they are available uh, at lulu.com, L-U-L-U.com and you can uh, look under my name, Joe Bandel, band like a rock and roll band with an E-L on the end of it, or you can Go to www.lulu.com slash spotlight slash anarchist banjo. Now, I specialize in stories by Hans Heinz Ewers, uh, Carl Hans Strobel, Stanislaw Przybski, and Paul Basson, but I have a lot of others that I'm planning to be doing as well. Uh, the Orchidean Garden is a mix of a lot of authors that we haven't heard. And stories that are being tra- that I've translated many for the first time. They've never been translated into English before. So having said that, uh, give a give a like, uh, whatever. We'll just dive into the story. Today's story is fairly short. Uh, The Brain by Max Meixner. Last Sunday, I was sitting with a business friend in a cafe downtown. The room was almost empty of people. Only in the corner opposite us was one lonely guest. He held the newspaper in front of him, but you could see that he was not reading it. Instead, he was staring into the distance. A thin thread of spittle drooled out of his mouth onto the knee of his trousers. A carelessly placed cigar glowed dimly on the marble top of the table. That caught my attention. Don't I know that gentleman over there? I asked my friend. Isn't that Dr. Bauman? Certainly. I am just surprised that you recognized him. The man seems half insane, I noticed. He is, too. But I know know him as a refreshing, healthy person. The last time I was here, just a few weeks ago. Quite right, said my friend. Just a few weeks ago, he was the most witty, cordial, and enjoyable man. And this transformation... My God, a coincidence, like he so often incurred in life. Is there a law for the falling brick? 
that determines whom it will strike? Who knows exactly what causes the fast train to transport so many passengers on a frenzied ride into another life? No one would have been able to foretell that Dr. Bauman's clear spirit would not return to him just a few hours after the accident. So tell me about it, I asked my friend. Gladly. You do know that recently we had a murderer around here. He attacked pregnant women without robbing them. The victims were all strangled. Also, these were not sex crimes. It was just for the pure sport of murder. By the way, this killer, in truth, is incidental and only plays a minor role in the doctor's story. After his fifth murder, he was caught red-handed and shot during the pursuit. His body was taken to the local hospital. Dr. Bauman, I believe, had just moved here about six months ago. He was given a position by the head doctor. His wife was always filled with hope. When I saw her the last time in company, the conversation came around to the killer. Mrs. Bauman, whose happiness was soon swept away, became extremely agitated when the talk of the murders in our town became the exclusive topic of conversation. She expressed her own fears and said that she would no longer take walks in the city because she would somehow encounter the killer, and he would kill her. Naturally, we all smiled over her fears and tried to calm her down. No, she insisted, I will not be calmed down. And suddenly, she became frightfully pale. I see, now, right now, oh, the monster is killing someone right now, she screamed and fainted. I do not believe in clairvoyance under any circumstances, but was shocked when we found out a few hours later that another murder had occurred, and it had happened right around the time that Mrs. Bauman had screamed out. I definitely remember encountering Mrs. Bauman six days later at, at the marketplace. Well, madam, I asked, are you still afraid? The killer was shot last night and is now lying in the morgue. Your husband can confirm that. I know, I know, she whispered, but I am still right. It doesn't leave me. I will die because of him, soon, very soon. Then she looked at me with horror in her eyes. A few joking words from me brought tears to her eyes. When I said goodbye, it really was the last time I saw her alive. She shook her head and walked away. I looked back at her as she made her way with difficulty toward the church with her plump body. What I am now about to tell, my friend said, I experienced myself. I know the end from the description that the head doctor at the hospital gave me, the one who was with Dr. Bauman when they brought in his dead wife. That afternoon, Dr. Bauman had gone to the autopsy room after the corpse had been opened. 
he put the right half of the brain into a bowl because he wanted to investigate it later that night in the private laboratory in his own home. I do not understand why that would be so interesting to see. At half past four, he sent a nurse to his home with the murderer's brain. The cook took reception of the thing with the instructions to immediately pack it in ice and put it in his laboratory. Dr. Bauman himself stayed at the hospital until around half past eight because of a farmer whose leg had been crushed and the bone chips needed to be removed. Before Dr. Bauman went home, he called his wife. He had just finished up, he said to her, and hoped that she had not waited for supper on his account. She answered that she was just now eating and that everything was excellent. He also asked her not to be afraid anymore because Rager, that was his name, for the murderer, was now mouse dead and only a very small part of his wicked body was still above the earth. There was just a small, insignificant part of his interesting brain that he had sent home to his laboratory for further investigation. At the same moment, Dr. Bauman heard a scream. Then the connection broke. He rushed home. The few steps to his nearby home only took a minute. When he tore open the door to his house, he saw a large pool of blood next to his writing table. It poured over the carpet and had oozed out through the open door leading into the brightly lit dining room. There, his cook was whimpering in terror, and at her feet, lying on the floor in a pool of blood, was his wife. A terrible hemorrhage had taken her life. Her strange premonition of death had been fulfilled. She was no longer alive. With wide open eyes, she seemed to be staring in hate at an invisible enemy, and in her right hand she held a piece of baked brain tightly clenched between her fingers. The remainder lay on her plate and in the bowl. Dr. Bauman did not think of his child. In his pain, he bellowed at the cook, demanding to know what it was lying there on the table. Was it the brain that she had ordered from the butcher today because his wife couldn't eat much in the late stages of her pregnancy? It had just arrived that evening. Was she certain of that? Naturally, the lady herself had received it and given it to her. Then she had baked it. His own portion was still in the kitchen because he had not yet come home to eat. And what about the package that he had sent from the hospital? That had been in his laboratory for hours. No one in the house had touched it. Like a lunatic, Dr. Bauman dragged the cook to his laboratory. There, untouched, lay the glass bowl with the murderer's brain. It was a good thing that some passers-by heard the doctor's bellow of rage and were able to restrain him. Days later, he became much calmer and appeared resigned to all that had happened. After his wife and unborn child were buried, he was found unconscious one night at the gravesite. He had broken into it and interred the murderer's brain with his loved one. Since then, 
he has been this way, just like you see him now. Not dangerous, but not the person he used to be. The end. Till next week.